0: Chad Tuttle was a joy to speak to. We talked about a lot of concepts in long-term care that I had previously not heard of, thought of, didn't know how to define, including integrated delivery network. We talked about how his company, Corwell Health is growing into different areas and how the size of their company allows them to deliver care in a unique way, not only around residents that they accept, what payers they go for, how fast they try to move them out of acute care. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Chad as much as I did. This episode was brought to you by experience.care, the long-term care EHR backed by guarantees. Visit experience.care forward slash guarantee to get your free profitability consultation today. Hello, and welcome back to LTC Heroes Live by Experience Care. My name is Peter Murphy-Lewis, I'm your host. I'm excited today because I'm talking to the Senior Vice President, of Hospital and Post-Acute Operations at Corwell Health, Chad Tuttle. Chad, welcome to the program. Thank you, Peter. So happy to join you today. Chad, I think that almost everything that I'm going to be talking about today, I have no idea what it means. I was going through the notes of your pre-chat with my co-host Victoria, and there was a lot of jargon of things that I don't understand both as VP of Marketing and as a CNA in long-term care. So, let's dive into a couple of those, and then I'm going to walk it back, ask you what you do at Corwell Health. But let's start off with value transformation. Specifically, what does that mean, and what do you do in that area? Well, it's a great question, Peter,
1: and I'll start with, we all know healthcare is one of the most expensive things any of us can purchase. In fact, we talk a lot about the high cost of healthcare and value transformation. At its core, is really about how do we provide the right care most affordably to the consumer. And in many cases, it's often not the consumer who's the one paying the largest part of the bill. It's an insurance company. Sometimes it's Medicare, Medicaid, and it's about how do we give the best value for the most affordable price with outstanding experience. And so when we get up every morning, we come to work thinking about that value transformation and where do we need to position our care in the future to make sure that people look at us and look at the care they receive and say that's the best value for the investment I've made here.
0: Can you break that down into specifics like when you're trying to measure that, whether it be something tangible at the executive level or something intangible when you say Residents or family members or patients or clients are looking at you. How do they understand value? How do you approach those metrics? Well, we recognize from a patient or a family perspective,
1: they really look at when they get the bill at the end of the month or at the end of a care episode, they're going to have an opinion about was that worth it or not. And oftentimes that reaction is, boy, that's expensive. But somewhere deep down is that belief of, you know, did I get everything that I believe I paid for here? or do I believe I was overcharged for something? And so from a consumer's lens, it's really their perception of, did they get what they paid for? For the healthcare they received, oftentimes though, there might be a governmental agency or a payer, an insurance company who might look, and their lens is a little different. They're looking at what are our costs benchmarked against anybody else who could have provided that service. So they're looking at our services compared to a skilled facility down the road, or sometimes an alternative care setting. Would the care have been cheaper if this person didn't receive it in a facility, but maybe received it in their own home is, instead, or received it in a different type of care setting? But oftentimes, that lens of the payer is not just about your portion of the bill. They look at it in terms of what was all of the care that this individual may have consumed over a longer time horizon 90 days or six months. And what they want to know is if let's say one of your residents went into the hospital and then came out of the hospital, came back to your facility and received some rehabilitation and then maybe transitioned back to long-term care. They want to know what's the total cost of everything that happened in that 90-day window. And sometimes, in some settings, it's better to spend a little bit more in one setting than another. And I'll use the example of a hospital. A hospital is a very, very expensive place to receive care. So oftentimes what that payer might want is let's get the person out of the hospital faster and get them into a lower cost, more affordable setting of care, like a skilled facility where they can start their rehab journey. And then with that rehab journey, let's see if we can get it done in 10 days or 12 days as opposed to it taking 16 days or 20 days. And so we spent a lot of time going, well, what portion of this is the patient going to be responsible for? what portion of it is that hey, you're going to be responsible for, and what's their perspective on each portion of that bill?
0: And maybe I'm a little bit tainted because I've spent almost two decades in South America where healthcare is generally is very good, and it's about tenth the price that is in the U.S. I feel like you have a lot of people who might feel like they're not getting the value from your services, and that, that's just because you're based in the U.S., right? You're based in Michigan. So how do you line up metrics that let you know you're headed in the right direction when you can't always have access to your competitor's net promoter score or what patients think about had they chosen your competitor?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So we do look at as much information as we can about other providers in our market. And so we will look at things like what is the claims data that was in Medicare and Medicaid or various health insurers. We will subscribe to benchmarking services and we'll work with accountants and auditors to really look at those who are servicing many clients and how do we get an apples-to-apples comparison of our costs, our length of stay, our readmission rates in There's really no single metric you can look at, but there's really a collection of metrics, whether it's what's your five-star status and what's your quality performance lined up next to what are your costs. Particularly in a skilled nursing facility on the rehab side, the greatest portion of the cost is not the charge on a daily basis, it's how long did it take for the patient to complete the rehab journey. And so we're very focused on how do we give patients the right amount of rehab quickly to get them better so that they can end their rehab journey. And for us, we're looking at 12 days compared to five, six years ago, it was 20 days.
0: Tell me a little bit about Corewell Health, how big you are. Obviously, by your answers, I can tell you're not only in long-term care, you must be in acute as well. And tell me kind of your role there as well. Yeah, so Corwell Health is
1: actually a newer name, and we're actually in the process of renaming and rebranding the organization. I know many of your listeners have been through that process before. For us, we're actually the combination of two large health systems in Michigan, one of them called Spectrum Health and the other called Beaumont Health, that came together a little over a year ago to form a new entity known as Corwell Health. We actually announced the name last fall to our teams, and we're in the process of over our signs and branding and everything during these summer months. But we are a large integrated delivery care system. So we have 22 hospitals, over 400 physician practices. We have a full post-acute continuum. So on the skilled nursing side, we have currently eight long-term care facilities that also provide a lot of rehab. But we also have home health, hospice, adult foster care, Because we're a healthcare provider with a medical group, we also employ a lot of geriatricians. And so we have geriatric practices and our geriatricians will work in our facilities. And then we do a lot of community palliative, home-based primary care programs and so on. So when you step back and look at us, we're actually the largest employer in the state of Michigan. We have over 61,000 team members and we're about a $15 billion a year organization. My role with the organization is on the western side of the state. I oversee our hospitals as well as our post-acute continual. And so I actually grew up on the long-term care side of the house. So I don't have it anymore at last, but I did have my licensed nursing home administrator license. My work came into healthcare about 22 years ago, but since coming into the health system, came in as the president of our post-acute division. And about four years ago, just before COVID, stepped into responsibility for our hospitals as well. And so I lead 11 hospitals in addition to six, soon to be seven, of our skilled nursing facilities. And then the rest of our post-acute, contained home care, hospice, palliative, rehab, all of those programs.
0: What a cool story. I'm going to kind of take the conversation into your initiation story, but on the way there, given that I know a large percentage of the listeners to this show and the leaders that I interact with are regularly on the floor and regularly... Are usually spend the majority of their career only in post-acute care. What was your learning curve like when you moved into that new role after being the specialist, being the president in that long-term care area, and now you're also oversee 11 hospitals? Okay, confession time. Yes, I host the LTC Heroes podcast, and hopefully you know that by now, but I can't take all the credit. Jason Long, the CEO of Experience Care, told me two years ago that when we started this show that this new audio platform had to create value for everyone, whether you're a client of Experience Care EHR or not. Then he encouraged me to become a CNA to really help LTC Heroes resonate with caregivers and leaders. And between you and me, he really knew what he was talking about. LTC Heroes has been invited to almost 10 conventions in 2022 to finally shine a light on what leaders like you have been doing for decades. It's that sort of knowledge of the industry that really makes me appreciate experience care, which has developed a customizable and intuitive EHR that makes clinical financial and billing processes more efficient and accurate. It transforms workflows into something that makes sense so you can focus on what really matters caring for your residents. The software is used by ALFs, SNFs, CCRCs, big and small facilities alike. Countless users have reached out and shared with me that it really is effective in helping them improve outcomes. I can honestly say that I know my grandparents would be proud to learn that I work at a place like at Experience Care. And I just wanted to take the time to thank Experience Care for sponsoring this podcast. Check out their latest products at www.experience.care. Well, suffice it to say,
1: it was a steep learning curve. But what I will tell you, what actually prepared me very well to come to the acute side of healthcare is the fact that on the post acute side in our long term care settings, and when I say post acute, I do mean comprehensively. That'll include our home and community programs, our rehab programs, as well as our long term care settings. Spending almost 20 years in that space first, what I found uh, really prepared me was the resilience of that space where what I absolutely love our CNAs, our LPNs, our RNs, our therapists, they are some of the most resilient, dedicated, caring individuals I have ever met in my professional career, and I will stack them against professionals working in any healthcare setting. They are incredible, because no matter what challenge they face, they find a way to make sure that first and foremost, we care for the patient, we care for the resident, and that they feel loved and they get the care that they need and they do that with not enough resources. There's not enough people. There's not enough resources to support the level of care that we would love to be able to provide. There's always more we'd like to be able to do, but they always find a way to make sure that the needs get met. And coming from that ground really prepared me that as a taken over responsibilities for other settings of the healthcare continuum what I found is there's more resources elsewhere. And so, working with folks who have more resources, my perspective is, well, you can certainly find a way to work through whatever the challenge is, because if we could figure it out in long-term care, we can absolutely figure it out in any other part of health care. So, steep learning curve, a ton to learn, but with that foundational perspective of first, we're always going to do what's right for the patients, and second, in spite of whatever resources we have, we're going to keep the patients at the center of that and make sure that they have what they need. We've been able to find a way to overcome any challenge. And as you know, it's been challenging the past few years, particularly as we've gone through COVID. There's been a lot that we've had to figure out together because we didn't have a good playbook for COVID and that resilience that I learned on the long term care side has really benefited us greatly through the pandemic.
0: I bet take me back to your personal story. How did you get into long term care? You just it was happened to be a job offer, do you have a family member? Do you have a personal story that pulled you into it? Well Coming out of college, I
1: actually went and I worked in retail. I worked for Target Corporation. And I had worked there through high school, through college, and was quickly promoted into management roles. And so coming out of college, I was given responsibility for a Target store in Michigan. And it was quite the responsibility, quite the learning curve that at 21 years old, I was really handed a $30 million business and a team of 250 people and said, okay, you're in charge. And I loved the company. I loved the work. But there was something missing. And I sort of described it as nobody grew up wanting to work in retail. Nobody grew up and could legitimately say, this is my life calling. I really hope to work in retail for the rest of my life. And so people were there for a paycheck. And you know, I was looking for an environment where there was people were aligned with the purpose of the work. And I just sort of fell into healthcare. There was a blind ad for a human resource director. And I replied to that ad and got a call. It was from a nursing home in a town that I had grown up in. And got the interview and was actually offered the position. And so my entry point into healthcare was as the human resource director in a 130 bed nursing hall where I came in in 2001. There was a pretty familiar staffing challenge as there is today. And I was responsible for getting to know the team and staffing up, hiring CNAs, LPNs, RNs. And I absolutely fell in love with the environment. And quickly moved from human resources into operations, pursued my administrator's license, fell in love with the residents, fell in love with the team members, and just really had a calling to the spiel. And at the same time, I saw tremendous opportunity in the field to make a difference. And so that was really kind of my origin story and have it looked back. I just continued to, when opportunities arose, respond to the challenge and say, how can I have a contribution to whatever solutions we need?
0: Chad, tell me in your new role, what's your favorite part of the job? And also take me to what's the most challenging part of your job. And I'll give you a little bit of context. When I ask about favorite, I usually kind of phrase the question in, if your boss comes to you and says, hey, Chad, we can only hire you 30 hours a week. We can't afford you for the next six months. We have some cutbacks. What's the part of your job that you'd be like, hey, boss, I'll do 33 hours. These three hours are free. For me, that favorite part of the job would absolutely be being out with our frontline team
1: members, supporting them, listening to them, and hearing from them what are the challenges they face on a daily basis and what are the ideas they have to make it better. The privilege I have in the responsibility, the role that I have currently, is that I do have the ability to make decisions around how are we going to allocate resources what problems are we going to prioritize to solve first? Where are we going to make facility investments in team members or in new facilities or in new programs? But I don't have the knowledge to know how to prioritize all of those decisions. I need to get input from our frontline team members, from our facility administrators, from the Sena's working on the floor and the RNs, and hear from them what are the problems they face on a daily basis. What's getting in the way of them being able to provide the absolute best care possible. And so the part of my job that I would do for free is to go out and spend time talking to the frontline team members, sharing their ideas for how to make the environment better, hearing what their problems are, and then going back, working with the team to help solve those problems.
0: Chad, you mentioned in your chat with my co-host a couple new terms that I hadn't heard of. Integrated Delivery Network And you said that you've also been presenting, your team has been presenting some of your nuanced approach to healthcare at trade shows. Tell me a little bit about what Integrated Delivery Network is and then also what are the talks, presentations, and feedback you're getting from those.
1: So an Integrated Delivery Network is, it's a bit of a confusing healthcare term, but it's meant to reference organizations that have integrated along a continuum. And by continuum, when you think of those handoff points in healthcare, Sometimes somebody's living independently at home, and something happens. Life happens. You fall. You have a hip fracture, and you get an ambulance ride to the hospital. The hospital treats you. They might send you for a rehab journey, and after that rehab journey, you're thinking, how independent will I be, and how do I get back to my primary care physician wherever I'm going to live? And that integrated delivery network is when you've got a system that you're not leaving the system. You're staying within the system. So for us, Not only do we have the hospitals, the medical group office, the rehab facilities, and the long-term care facilities, we also have an insurance company where we insure 1.3 million lives in Michigan, where oftentimes we're the payer too, where we're the one responsible for paying the bill in addition to giving the care. And it changes your perspective because we think with such a broad lens, we do think of the areas of healthcare that sometimes some areas of healthcare, they might be struggling for whatever reason where home care reimbursement went down and home care agencies are struggling or rehab reimbursement went up or down. And for us, we don't worry as much about a single segment. We worry about the full continuum of care. And the way this plays out, and I'll use a very specific example for you here, our nursing homes lose money. And we're okay with that. Because the value for us is not in trying to squeeze a profit margin out of our long-term care settings and our skilled facilities. We recognize that those are some of the areas that are most affordable with some of the most amazing care. And for us, it's not about making margin on our long-term care settings. What we want to do is make sure that we can get patients out of our hospitals faster so that they're not spending extra days in the hospital. We want them to get into our skilled nursing facilities because that's a lower cost setting of care. It's about our lowest cost setting of care. And so we're okay with our nursing homes losing money because we realize they're helping save cost in the hospital and they're saving costs to the insurance company while they're doing that.
0: So I have a follow-up question. Why would you want to get people out of a hospital faster into skilled nursing if that's where you're losing money, wouldn't you want to keep them in the area where you're making money? Well, the short answer is in the hospital these days, because we contract at
1: risk, we don't get paid for everything we do in the hospital. We don't get paid by day, by procedure. Oftentimes, you get paid one payment, a bundled payment for the entire episode of care. And so, if that episode takes five days or 10 days, you're going to get the same payment. And we know our costs in the hospital, it costs us somewhere around $850 a day and just labor costs and other soft costs to keep somebody in the hospital. And so if they're ready to go after five days, we want to get them out because we know to keep them that six day is going to cost us $850. So we want them to go to another setting where that cost is lower.
0: That makes sense. Maybe some of this can't answer this either because it's confidential or maybe because you're not involved with this area but where's Corwell growing? You might be one of the first people I've spoken to that has such a diverse portfolio of offerings. Do you know where you'll be a year from now or two years from now? What are new kind of innovative areas that you're playing around with or testing or even polling? So for us, we're
1: mostly about the state of Michigan. We have a strong presence on the east side of the state of Michigan and the west side of the state of Michigan in our growth because we just teamed together as Corwell Health. We're very focused for the next at least 18 months on the integration happening across the state of Michigan and making sure that we can optimize the health system as a whole. From there, I think you'll really see us looking within the state of Michigan. I think in the long run, there may be aspirations outside of the state, but I think that that's far enough out that we really don't see when those opportunities exactly would be.
0: Chad, is there anything I haven't asked you about either Corewell or your job or something that you're passionate about that you would like to cover before we sign off? Well, I think the thing that I'm most passionate
1: about is this vision for affordable care in the future. And that's one of the things that brought me to Corewell. That's one of the things I love about having a fully integrated system and particularly the long-term care facilities within our system that it's not just about the success of just those facilities; it's about the success of the system as a whole, and the system as a whole is aligned around what's most affordable for the patient with the best outcomes. And so it's when I see the future of care being, and what I would say is not every system is going to be a part of integrated delivery network, but there are ways to partner with integrated delivery networks to get those exact same outcomes, and that's where I would like to see the future of the industry continue to move as how do we work together for the betterment of patients? But at the end of the day, what's best for the patients is making sure that we have great caregivers at the bedside and that we're supporting those caregivers at the bedside. And so that's where we'll keep our focus.
0: Wonderful, Chad. Thanks for joining me virtually on LTC Heroes. Unfortunately, our paths didn't cross this year at the Michigan Convention, but hopefully next year they will. Appreciate your time. I look forward to it. Visit ltcheroes.com to join our Facebook group for nurses and our exclusive LinkedIn group for LTC owners. Visit ltcheroes.com for your exclusive access today. This episode was brought to you by Experience.Care, the long-term care EHR backed by guarantees. Visit experience.care forward slash guarantee to get your free profitability consultation today.